Because when you retire, which you're not the only ones that can speak to that in this room, it's the lo- there's a huge loss there. And for anybody that's listening that's on the verge of retiring, just keep that in mind that there's a there's a huge you got to grieve a little bit. Um, you know, most people are so ready to get out, but they don't realize when they're out they're like, oh, well, this isn't great. This it was grieving actually. I think probably is a better way to describe it. The grieving of of the community and the family that I had. I mean, I was very, very close, and I'm still close with with the, with the guys. You know, I still text, but it's different. There's no way to describe it. The whole point was I wanted people to know that counseling isn't necessarily kumbaya, laying on the couch, what we think. And if you find the right person, it's amazing. And it's no emotion. It's not emotional. And I think that's where people get confused is when they're are feeling emotion about a, a critical incident, they, they feel like it's a weakness and it's emotion. It's not. It's, it's how our brain works. It's a function of our brain. Things get stuck in the wrong lobe and they, are, they have ways to move them. And the other thing that I, that I wanted out of this, there was a couple of things. I wanted the officers to come for free. I wanted them to feel served uh, because we were, we're the servers. And to be served is really, a, a, it feels great. It's amazing what that does for your psyche. And the staff that was in charge of food, you couldn't lift a plate. You finished your plate, she had that thing picked up with a smile. She was truly a servant. That's what I wanted officers to feel. You're listening to the ATO Bridging the Divide podcast. Brought to you by the Assisi Officer Foundation. Since 1999, the ATO has given assistance to the first responder community. And now we want to give them a platform to hear their incredible stories. We also want to hear the stories of the many people that support us. Our community is small, but it is strong. We have differences. We don't always agree and we all make mistakes. But together we can grow, we can heal. And we can learn from those mistakes. And together we can bridge the divide. Welcome, ATO listeners. I'm so fortunate to share the mics today with the whole clan. Joe. Oh, by the way, how about that sleeveless tuxedo t-shirt that we saw all over social media? Yes. Chris Webb, remember him? (laughs) Sergeant Wilberton, of course. Our sound guy, Danny Canetti, is even here. And a special guest, Mesquite Assistant Chief Doug Yates. When you sit alone with your thoughts... Do you ever come up with these grand ideas to make the world a better place? Can you pinpoint a vision you wish you would have acted upon? Now ask yourself, is this vision or grand idea selfless? Is it priceless? Is it fuel? When I look at these guys across the table, I see beloved teammates. I see my blue brothers. I see comrades with whom I have suffered. I am certainly among exceptional leaders. Joe and Chris forged their vision, their idea to life. They wagered their rugged, 
warrior exterior for undisclosed vulnerabilities. They selflessly launched an awareness of suffering in others. Their pain fueled a force bridging our stout-heartedness with an unguarded awareness. Their visions complement each other. Was there fear? Yes. Did they question themselves? Of course. Did their inner voice ask, will this be viewed as weak or stupid? Absolutely. But what if their ideas, your ideas, make us stronger? Indeed, they already have. Our community is more aware and resilient. Therefore, we are better servants. Joe created this podcast. It was his brilliant vision. And Chris devised the most benevolent notion, the Righteous Oaks Retreat. And today we're going to bring these two visions together. Chris will share with you his intention. He will share some of the insecurities and apprehension that go hand in hand with ambition. Chief Yates and I were blessed to attend the inaugural three-day event hosted just outside of San Diego, California in June of this year. And I will share some of my insecurities and apprehension of attending this retreat. But I don't want to steal Chris's thunder. I want him to share every detail of his vision. Please welcome once again, Lieutenant Chris Webb and his altruistic mission to make the world, our world, a better space. Welcome back. Thank you, Misty. That was an amazing wordsmithing as usual word what wordsmithing (laughs) i don't know if that's a word but i'm not good at it so that was amazing thank you for our listeners you're now lieutenant chris webb that's what they say that's what the badge said they gave me okay so catch us up what's it like to supervise it's uh it's a little different um uh the guys in austin my bosses uh picked me I was honored. I, I didn't foresee that happening. Um, and I was very happy with what I was doing. So this has just been a little bit of a bonus. I got great guys I work with. Um, it, it's a little different the day to day. I didn't know how much admin work there was. So that was a, I'm an outside guy. So it's been kind of a, a little bit of a shift, but it's been really easy. I, I work with really, really good guys. Um, and we get to go all over the state. And so it's been great. Dallas, I never thought about being a supervisor in Dallas, um, but Dallas absolutely prepared me and equipped me for it. And so my time here, if I hadn't, if I hadn't had that, I, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now. So I'm, I'm very appreciative of my, of my time in Dallas and the people I worked around, uh, and it set the stage for this, for this portion of my life. Did you gulp the, the Kool-Aid, or did you Company make man. it an appoint to refuse it? Well, it's they didn't offer it yet, so oh. I'm I'm wondering if that comes down the road. Um, I work for really good people, really good officers, and all of my supervisors have sat in my seat at some point. So it's been great. Um, it's kind of just throw you to the lions. There's not like there wasn't a class. I didn't take a test. That's probably why I never promoted in uh, Dallas because I wasn't a great test taker. So, uh, but they I've just figured it out. And again, it's been really easy because the guys I work with are are amazing. So, Chief Yates, thank you for coming. Can you speak on that? Thanks for having me here. Um, On supervision? Mm 
being part of the administration. <laughs> uh, it's a it's an interesting change from when you were you know grew up as an officer there, and then you transition into uh, supervision. But I would say if I had to sum it in a few words, is responsibility, um, feeling responsible for the department and the, and the employees and the people that work with you. Make sure they have to to get done um, to have the tools they need to get the job done. And then, you know, um, servant leadership is a word that's thrown around a lot, but I think um, I think it's very important to have it, it, it to get the uh, the mission you know, completed. Um, which sometimes means you have to make decisions that aren't all that popular, but then a lot of times you get to make ones that are popular. And so it, it's all all part of a plan. I did, uh, Chris. I did. I was trained, uh, <laughs> and but what I found that it's not all in the books. Um, they don't they don't train you for every aspect of uh, of the job chief for the listener we have uh listeners across the country and even out of the country uh you were your assistant chief for mesquite pd mesquite texas yes can, can you uh describe that department how many sworn and uh, civilian employees you, you uh command sure we've got around 330 employees something like that and uh, I think 250 sworn, 254 sworn is our current complement. Uh, we're hiring, so uh, shameless plug there. <laughs> Everybody's hired in this profession these That's days. Right. And, and where, where are you located? That- uh, we're just east of Dallas, so we share a Dallas border. Um, I guess we'd be southeast kind of Dallas um, on that side. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Grove Plus. Still Dallas County. Still, Still Dallas, Dallas County. We have a, a small piece of Coffin County. Chris flattered me this morning by wearing his pearl snaps. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, obviously, I'm going to have to ask about what your workout routine is. Uh, <laughs> just go every day. That's the secret. Go every day. I do that. It's it's my mental prep for the day. If I don't have it, I'm, I'm a mess. And you didn't have it this morning? I didn't, so I'm a little jumpy. Yeah? Yeah. The caffeine's <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't have anything to fuel, so it's got to get burned off somewhere, so it'll be in words in here and i'll sweat it out in here too yeah chris is a sweater it's a it's a sweat box in here <laughs> thank you danny for keeping the door open yeah <laughs> yeah we're gonna drag in a, uh one of those water coolers in here too the, <laughs> the big swamp cooler. yeah swamp cooler i'm so impressed with these ideas these visions that you guys have had. they're they're an inspiration really um because all of us have some kind of vision or idea and they're like man i wish i would have done that and you you guys actually acted on it and took a risk and we know about joe's idea and we get the pleasure of hearing it but we we don't know about yours your vision and i want i want you to dive into and i want you to start from the very beginning i'll try to keep it concise um i'd retired from dallas in 2017 and then i went to the real world i thought i was done with law enforcement uh law enforcement had a different plan for me but um I felt very disconnected. You know, you go from this this group of people, especially being on the team I was on, with them every day, seeing the same things every day. They're your little therapy group, and you get really, really close to them. It's a, you're you're so much a part of each other's lives because you spend so much time together. And then to go from that to zero was was a really hard adjustment. And you know, I'd I'd made a plan early on to not make SWAT my life uh, because there's so many negative repercussions to that but what I didn't prepare for was how much just being a policeman was who I was and so man it was hard I I really battled with it um I was working for a friend uh, a a guy wanted me to manage a company for him he was going to buy and so it was supposed to be you know quick deal which ended up being a year 
but during that year, a couple of events had, had happened. There was a, a suicide by a retiree who I'd worked around and, and was very friendly with. Um, that kind of bothered me. Uh, he'd been out maybe a couple of years, and I realized that we don't do a very good job of preparing officers for, for leaving. Um, and then I had a conversation, uh, ironically, with a journalist who was writing a book on uh, 7-7, and um, she was, we, we talked a long time. Uh, I was out working two days in a row. I think we talked for like five hours straight both days. And she, she had written a really, really good article on the events that night. And some of the guys called me and said, Hey, she's writing a book. Um, we're all talking to her. So I was like, okay, I tell her to call me. And so we talked, but we talked a lot about other things too. That was, a, it was interesting. She had, she said, Chris, I have so much information that the story is so much more because of who y'all are. And so, uh, talking to her, she, she told me about somebody I worked with who I knew very well and told me that he broke down and cried talking about July 7th. And I was like, that dude's strong as an ox. How, how did that guy pick you to unload this on? And that's really ultimately where it started. I was like, I got to do something, something needs to get done. And so Randy and I have, uh, Randy's family had some property we inherited down in Bastrop and we thought, you know, let's build a, let's build a resort and we can do whatever. And so, um, I went to a Bob Goff conference, um, and the conference was about, it was dream big and it, and it was about having an idea and actually landing it. Um, and I went to a conference. I read a book from Dr. Glenn on my way to that conference. And that's where I was like, I know what I want to do. I want to introduce people to this because that book spoken words, I understood. Um, and now I'd never been through counseling at that point, but I was like, man, I want other people to hear this. And so when I went to Bob Goff, I met a guy named Jed strange and he turned his family farm South of Atlanta into a retreat center called strange farms, which is funny to me. And, um, he's the first guy I met and I told him what I was thinking. He's like, man, don't build anything. Don't build a, don't do anything to the property, build the program. You can find places to do the program. And that really was a, a, because if I'd, if I'd gone down that route, it'd never gotten done. We don't have the money for that kind of thing. So that's where it started. And that might actually been 2018. And so I started trying to put it together in 2019 and we met with Dr. Glenn and she agreed to come on board and do the program part. And then I'd set a date for like April of 2020, but then COVID hit. And so it, we shelved it. And then I got hired on with the AG's office and it sat on the shelf for a long time. And then when we came in to tape this podcast with Shelby Houston, when we left, Randy's like, it's time. And so really Rainey did the the heavy lifting and got everything back up to speed. And without Rainey, it would never happen. I'm not a planner. In our, <laughs> I laugh. Generally, Rainey comes up with the plan like, hey, we should get rid of that tree. And I'm the doer. Sure. But in this one time, I had an idea that I couldn't, I couldn't, it would not have landed without Rainey. So all those things you said are, are great, but it's not even 50 50. I mean, Rainey was the, the driving force behind getting it done. So that's how we got to where we are. 
tell our listeners what Rainey does for a living and where she is coming from. Uh, so Rainey was a prosecutor for years. She did, I think, 15 years with Tarrant County uh, in Crimes Against Children. And so for me, it was, she's the perfect partner because she knows what we do. And there's no mystery behind it because she saw the other side of it. Um, she's now a magistrate judge in Tarrant County. Um, and that's why she couldn't be here today because she's working. So, so did you communicate this vision to her from, from day one, uh, talk through it. Um, but I wasn't because I was trying to, to plan it too. Cause at the time, again, I wasn't working for the, uh, the police department. Um, I had more time. And so I was trying to do it all by myself. And that's also probably why it didn't totally come together back in 2019, 2020. Do you think this idea would have evolved if you wouldn't have left Dallas? No, it absolutely wouldn't have. I would have, I would have, I'd probably maybe be in the equipment room by now. Um, or I'd still be, I'd still be just grinding away, looking at the end, trying to get to the end. Um, but back in 2016, uh, chief Brown, needed something on paper to show the city that they were uh, doing something about summer crime. And so they put us on evening shift. And so, well, that was, kids were still in school. So I wasn't seeing my family and that broke me. That's the, that's the thing that's like, it, it broke me. It was a perfect storm. Um, I was broken cause I wasn't seeing my family. Uh, I, it was miserable. I was a, a horrible human being to be around because I, I just wanted – and it wasn't really a plan. You know, SWAT stuff is SWAT stuff. I get it. I'll come in for anything if you got a plan. But it was really just go, go be on that beat. So I'm sitting up there in my squad car up in northeast Dallas, and my family's at home. I'm like, I want to be with my family. So I would have – that, that's why I left. I wouldn't have left, and, and this would have never happened. I'm going to read you a quote, and I want, you, I want to hear your thoughts on it. Okay. Is it real smart? No. Okay. Perfect. You know, I'm from Oklahoma. Practicing patience. Was it the key to developing your intention? Man, that's deep. I don't know that patience was there at the beginning, which is why it probably didn't grow when it did. Um, I think I was trying to do muscle through it. Um, isn't that your habits, though? To just muscle through it. Yeah, that's all. That's every officer's habit. Just deal. Redline with it. it. Yeah, just go go one hundred percent, and no matter what the collateral damage is. But when you retired and you had that time off before you became police again, was there patience within that time period? Man, there was a lot. There was there was it was there was a forced patience at some point it didn't start that way it was chaos at first because it was just this loss of this it was grieving actually i think probably is a better way to describe Absolutely. it the grieving of of the community and the family um that i had i mean i was very very close and i'm still close with with them, with the guys you know i still text um but it's different there's no way to describe it you actually described it to me when you left SWAT and you went to the academy and you're like, Chris, you'll just never understand. It's completely different. You're just gone. And I didn't feel like you were gone, but I didn't, but I know not seeing people every day and being a part of it, man, things would happen in Dallas and I'd be like, man, I need to be there. Sure. And I, there's a guilt. Um, I think a lot of people didn't know it, but there, there was a survivor's guilt 
after July. Um, I, I, there was a lot of things piled on. And so you had to fight through all that. And then I think that the patients came, it was a forced patients when I, where I was working, I was by myself all day, every day. And so I did a lot of thinking about what was important to me. And I think that's what ultimately, I wish every officer could take a year off because I, when I, and I was gone three, but when I started my new job, man, my perspective was different. I was I just all in, I, you know, and, and I didn't know I was, I knew I needed to do something different and I needed, it needed to serve and it needed to matter. And what I was doing didn't matter to me. And there was two options I was totally open to. It was become a teacher uh, in Arlington at the career center or work for the attorney general's office. And I was applying for both. I was substitute teaching to see if I, it was really a, a reality. And that that's where the patients came, but I had to work through that grief process first of, of just being apart from it. Would you say that that involved suffering? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a suffering to it because you're, you've lost something. It's part of who you are. It's part of, you know, there's a, there's a, it's a huge loss. And so from that, the suffering comes from. I think suffering's a gift and obviously you used it as fuel. And when you mentioned the operator that broke down and cried, I know who you're talking about. And I mean, an incredible warrior. Unbelievable. The, the, I have so much respect for him yeah, and, and, me too. and I have him on a pedestal, but that just makes him more human. Yep. And Joe, I think that that's where you're coming from too, suffering and creating this podcast. Will you talk on that? Yeah. So the vulnerability and, uh, in policing and, you know, being vulnerable and, and policing, they're really not synonymous, but the vision to do this, we were trying to normalize it and make it make it go hand in hand because it, it is because it doesn't matter if you're police fire military you're human first right and i don't care what kind of training you've had i don't care how long you've been on an agency or what big big city small town it doesn't matter you're a human first and you're going to suffer like all other all other humans and we just happen to be exposed to more trauma than most other humans and professions and to start this to normalize a conversation for people to be vulnerable and to understand they need help or you know or to reach out and help others which is honestly is as rewarding helping a peer which i found is more rewarding than most any other police work i've done uh, in dallas uh that's what my mission was and you know that and it's kind of evolved from that chris tell us exactly what this retreat is uh righteous oaks retreat is a three-day excursion um we take you away um the concept is i wanted to introduce people to what counseling can look like for law enforcement officers again staying away from being a kumbaya deal it's not that it can be something completely different um our, our goals of the retreat, it's just, it's just that give officers a retreat away from the day-to-day grind, uh, kind of restore them and renew them. When they come back, they're, they're rested. Um, they've heard a little information about resilience training and how to be resilient in our, in our line of work. Um, and they get to be served and loved on uh, in a way that cops will be all right with it, right? We don't we don't like kumbaya stuff, but there's 
you know, just be served and know that people care about them. That's exactly what it was. It's exactly what we wanted it to be. Yeah, it, it felt like family. It felt like it was came from love. And it was a reset, a, a break. I look at it like maintenance. We all will go to a chiropractor to get our back ready for the PT test or our hip. Or we'll go get a massage to heal something that's giving us pain. Why do we refrain from healing our mind, mm-hmm. the most important piece that drives us? You know, in, in this line of work, we've got a we've got a foot in normal life, and then we've got a foot in this real world. And, you know, you come to work for eight hours or ten hours or whatever it is, and you see the worst of the worst in people, that people do horrible things to each other. And then you got to come home, and you got to be mom or, and dad and brother and husband and wife and and you've got to just be able to flip that switch off and it's it's so taxing it's taxing on the officer it's taxing on the spouse it's taxing on the kids whether you know it or not and we find ways to deal with this stress that aren't healthy um and there are healthy ways to deal with it and i just i didn't know about it i didn't really know about counseling it wasn't ATO had started the program, but I, I didn't need that. I, don't, I got my boys, you know, got my group. But, um, you know, had I, there's been things like Chief Ramirez is talk about what happened to him at North Central. I knew Chief Ramirez pretty well, really well. We ran around together. And when he transferred up to North Central and he had the loss of a baby on a call, I remember when it happened, but I I wasn't equipped to even reach out and follow up with him. And, you know, if that happened today, I, I would handle I would handle it much better as a friend by just talking to him about it. Hey man, just checking in. And I did learn that behavior sometime later on. Uh you know, I knew that the guys from July seventh who were in the who were in the shitstorm, the real bad part up there. I mean it was all really bad, but you know, those guys that were Danny and his group that were up there, then they got to stay home and they're home for the next couple of weeks while we're getting called out to everything, working 18 hour days. And I knew that it was killing them to be home because they knew we were working and they wanted to be there. So I, I tried to reach out to those guys as much as I could just, say, Hey, how you doing? But I didn't, I wasn't equipped for that. I didn't know how to do it. I just knew I should. Um, so, so the, I, the idea, you know, just, equip people with this knowledge on resilience and, and you can be 30 year guy and, and pick up something from it. And you can be a two year officer and pick up, you know, kind of prep you for what's coming or even a retiree. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because I'm sorry, Chris. go ahead, chief. I, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in grit and resiliency and I, I think we all are and want it. I just think we, we forget that we have to, it's not necessarily something giving at birth. And, and the, the needle can change. Um, you know, programs like this, other training, that's how you get there. It's not just a magical thing you have. And I think as for, for me, having other people to think about, um, they may not be there. You know, if, if I'm there, great. But what about everyone else? And maybe they're not. They don't have that in their lives. They don't have those things that they need to get to that grit. And I think programs like this get you there. Um, I know uh, I can't. I, I can't tell you uh, before my son was born. I can't tell you about the um, 
the infant deaths that I went to, and I can't tell you about the ones after he was born, but I can tell you the one that I first one I went to after he was born. I remember walking in and it was different. I was okay, but it was different. I remember thinking, hmm, why is this so different? Well, I had a, a baby boy at home. Yeah. And you know, so the needle can change for people too. People can that that grit isn't something you get, and it sticks with you at a certain level throughout your whole career, and it can change. And moving into retirement changes things, and different life, different life instances can change that uh, quickly. And I think we um, in law enforcement just feel like we get it and we hang on to it, and we're at one level for the rest of our careers. And I think it can move around. Yeah, that bucket gets full, and you don't even know it. You don't know when it gets full, but it's it's filling up over time. Um, all those instances just get keep getting piled on. I've heard it described as death by a thousand cuts. I've heard it described a lot of different ways, but it's kind of saying the same thing is everybody's got a maximum. And when you've got a foot in both worlds and you're seeing things that every day that the common person gratefully and thankfully don't have to see maybe once or twice in their life, you know, you're seeing it constantly on these calls. And it's not just us, it's firefighters, it's the paramedics, it's emergency room uh, nurses and doctors you know it's just the constant constant flow and some things you don't bother you but they bother your partner and then the next day something bothers your partner and it doesn't bother you at all it's you just don't know well then you factor in home life too and yeah. issues you may yeah. or may not be having there and right. then on top of the and that can change for, that yep. can change daily absolutely how do you how you show up to work in your mindset by how you left the morning or for your shift can negatively affect your day at work and can negatively affect how you deal with what you deal with during the day and longevity yeah. look think about the love we have for this job when we started and and how each one of us will say how much fun and at some point that drifts off into another place and you invest a departments invest in programs like this you're going to create that retention you're going to keep it and officers are happier longer yeah, you if can you buy you can, maintenance. you can buy a whole bunch of equipment and you can buy great uniforms and comfortable uniforms and good cars, but we don't there's so little spent on on the officer's mental approach. And I think that that's the piece that's been missing for a long time, but you know I I do think departments law enforcement in general and and a lot of departments have started to realize that we've got a little bit of an issue. You know, you you train somebody up and you got them working for 4 years and then they start battling demons and, and, you know, you lose them because of an alcohol incident or what worse is suicide. And that, that initial investment that the city made into that person is gone. And it's not, it doesn't, I mean, it's not going to cure everything, but certainly having people be willing to talk about it and, and seek the right counseling, you know, you're helping out your, your employee, but you're also helping out your employer, the citizens, because if I'm mentally in a good place, I'm a better officer, but if I'm pissed off all the time, I'm I'm now a complaint generator, and because I'm just beat down. And I and you know you go through phases. I, I I went through those phases in patrol over the ten years, where I'd be at work and I'd be great, and I'd be at work and I'd be like I'm so sick of the same call at the same place. But it get it happens to everybody. But long term, if you're if you're handling it correctly at home or outside of work, then it makes it a lot easier to come to work. Not now. I'm, I have fun every day, by the way. I love my job. Well, I feel like this retreat gives you tools. It educates you from the beginning. That first day starts with education. And a lot of us have had some pieces of that education, but some of the younger ones had, hadn't had any experience yeah. with that type of education. And then they're, throughout the th- other three days, they're offering you 
different things to give you tools. Mm -hmm. For example, the the EMDR, uh, and even discussing the book together as a group, uh, listening to everyone's stories, especially Shelby's from her perspective, um, meditation, yoga, those were options to go to, not forced on you. Mm -hmm. And then it was fun. Yeah. It, It wasn't this cry fest. No. Or... Although there were some tears shared, sure. but, but they were they were proper in the proper place, and you get it. You know, I think warriors cry. Absolutely, I'm scared of the ones that don't. It's the, a release. It's a release, and 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 to, to feel comfortable enough in your surroundings to let go of some of that stuff, it, it 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 that probably made me the happiest because I I could see people were like, oh, okay, I can I'm safe here. And I don't say safe, like safe spaces, but it is safe because we all get it. Every officer there had had something at some point um, or they're going to. And, you know, it, everything affects people differently. And but sometimes just even just talking about it, you're like, oh, that, that was good to say. I felt I'm glad I, I had that conversation. And I had some I, I made it a point because I kind of facilitated EMDR time. And so while people were doing other things, I was kind of the go-between. I tried to talk to everybody. I'm like, well, how was it for you? I wanted to know. Some people would come out. I'm like, I don't really think anything happened. And then I had a couple come out. I was like, that just changed my life. And I was like, wow, that is, that is great to hear. I mean, really, that's the point is giving you a springboard going forward. And now you know what it is. And so you're like, oh, I just had a critical incident. Now I'm two weeks out and I still can't sleep. I'm four weeks out. I kill. Oh, I know. I need to go. I need to go talk to somebody because this isn't going away. And just being equipped for that, like in that way, could could help somebody down the road. Everyone did it. Everyone. We had we had ten Texas officers and two joined us from San Diego, and um, all twelve people took advantage of the opportunity to do it, which made me very very happy. Now, did everybody get the same thing out of it? I I doubt it because everybody's in a different spot and their career and their and their experiences are different. Um, but everybody tried it. I was real hesitant. Yeah. And, You're um, a thinker. Yeah, absolutely. And, and want to understand, you probably read three books about it by now. <laughs> you did. Was, you was, have, haven't you? <laughs> You've probably uh, read a book about EMDR. I guarantee you she has. She's probably certified by now. More than anything, I was impressed at the work ethic of the, of Dr. Glenn's team. Oh man, they, they, that's taxing and they were exhausted. They put, you can tell they put in the preparation mm-hmm. And the work. And she came to that retreat in a boot. Yeah. Uh, and just it, had and surgery on a foot. And It's St. West, Texas. It was not flat. So she's moving <laughs> around in that boot like I'm moving around with good, two good ankles. They were, they, they were exhausted. They poured in tremendous effort. Yeah. And um, that could, that, it, that's part of that feeling loved and cared for, which, you know, how often do you come home and have a home-cooked meal and, and, and feel like you can relax and go to bed at any time you want and feel cared for? Yep. Yeah. It was it, it it was perfect. It really was. So walk us through the grind of getting it done. Because I know Joe, he started with a laptop mic, <laughs> you know, and just dove right in. What was your grind? Well, I will I will say watching Joe. Joe shared with this shared this whole vision early on before he started, and it was so fun to watch him work through it. And you know, coming up with an idea is really easy. Man, landing that plane is hard to actually make it happen. And your intro, there's a lot of words in that intro that I'm like, yep, yep, fear. Am I going to look dumb? Is this a dumb idea? And I know Joe faced a lot of that 
criticism or that's going to not work. This isn't going to work. And it's really, really, really hard to, to fight through that. Um, you know, is this going to be, are the officers going to think it's dumb? Is the, you know, are the doctors going to think it's dumb? It's, 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 it's a fear. Like I don't get scared at work. You know, all of us, it's a job. And sometimes afterwards, like, Ooh, that got Western. That, that was, Ooh, that, that was, <laughs> but you don't, you know, it, you, you train your mind to work around that. And I've never felt fear. Like I felt that that morning when y'all got off the airplane and we'll get to that later but I, i've never been more scared in my life i was scared to death because i just didn't know i hadn't seen i hadn't seen the model yet so it could have gotten really ugly but it didn't i was so uncomfortable <laughs> everybody was so why'd you pick san diego genius choice by the way but well and it's funny when rainy brought it up i was like that's that's a horrible idea um Rainey had Rainey and I had been to that retreat center right when when they opened it. Uh, he bought an old Young Life property and restored it, and uh, which is a funny story if you know Bob Goff and his relationship with Young Life. Um, and so Rainey and I had been there, and then she'd hosted a couple of other events there. So it, it it's easy. The the people there are amazing, turnkey. You know everything you need's done. So all that you just got to get people there. So we thought, well, let's just do it there this time. And, you know, see how it goes. And and then, you know, afterwards you're like, no, this was actually the, the perfect place. One of the things Rainey brought up, um, uh, one of the many brilliant things she brought up was it's easy to wake up in the morning and go, man, I don't want to go drive three hours. I'm just not going to go. But when you got a flight with your name on it, you're like, I just got to get to the airport. And so we thought that would keep people from backing out. Because, uh, again, nobody, especially police officers, they want to know the plan. And they want to be comfortable and it, it, that forces you to be a little bit uncomfortable. But I think that getting on that plane and getting people totally away from their surroundings was, was huge. Also great to get out of the weather cause it was beautiful while we were there. So, um, just a complete foreign place for everybody. It was absolutely beautiful. You had a nice fog in the morning, and it lifted <laughs> we're with the sunshine. We were in the, the pool by the afternoon. Yeah, a, a freezing cold pool, which go, <laughs> coincides with the the cold baths. Yeah, Joe's, <laughs> Joe's outdoor in the sun cold baths. Yeah. Lukewarm baths. Yeah, it's like a soup <laughs> sitting in. <laughs> so talk about your selection process. This is your first – this is – the first rep of getting this, your vision, your goal, your objective done, and you had to select people to go. Um, <laughs> it's so, it's, it's amazing. And I'll preface by saying that Ray and I spent a lot of time in prayer about this. And um, when things started coming together and, and contracts started getting signed and we got everything squared away, the date set, we've got the place set, we've got help from Cisco Foods. Um, every now you're like, okay, we got everything ready. It's going to be really weird if it's raining. I, and the part that sounded easiest was becoming the hardest. Cause you're like, well, how do I find people to do this? And I reached out to Joe. I was like, Joe, come, you need to come just to see what it's about. He's like, ah, oh, I'm out of town. And, um, you're like, dang it. There's one, one more. And I'm like, well, that was, was going to be an easy one. Um, uh, so, I called Figueroa and uh, Sergeant Figueroa, Sergeant. Yep. Yep. And I was like, can you come? I'll be in, I'll be in Puerto Rico. I said, well, if you think of anybody, call me. 
And I mean, within minutes, he's like, how about Crystal? I'm like, perfect. So I reached out to her. I, I said, kind of preface it, you know, get me in the door. And because I didn't know her. Sure. At all. And um, so I called Crystal and I was like, hey, I want you to come to this deal. And I, I had all this big speech. And she's like, okay. I mean, right off the bat, I'm like, oh, I had a whole paragraph to try to convince convince her and she just jumped right in i was like this is awesome uh so i had one and for our uh, listeners that's that's crystal almeida yes and she was on a previous episode yes okay. and um so we got crystal lined up um we reached out to a friend in arlington who'd retired and so she had a, a foot in both worlds she's a counselor now stephanie gillespie and so there was our number two and then uh i tricked you into coming uh, and I was uncomfortable. I, to be real honest, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And I, I've had a, my fair share of therapy. And every time I drive to therapy, I try some way to talk myself out of it. I don't right. need this. This is stupid. That someone else should be in this place. And every time I leave, I'm so thankful that I went. Yeah. Well, and, and I, it's interesting. Like I said, I, I'd never been to a counselor before. So I, I found, and I was explaining this idea to a friend back in 2019, and, and who was a counselor at one point, and. She's like, so you're going to use your foot in the doors being a policeman to get people to come. I'm like, yeah. And then you're going to tell them how great counseling was for you. Like, oh, no, I've never been to counseling. She goes, don't you think that's a problem? I'm like, yeah, but this book. So I did go see a counselor who actually uh, was able to, I, she did EMDR. And so I asked to do that too. So I would know what it was. And so, um, so you, 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 you were my, I tricked you. Well, you owed me because I came and spoke I did to owe class. You. <laughs> so, so we're at three. And we were at three for a long time, and um, Rainey's starting to sweat it out a little bit. And she called Shelby Houston, who's also been on. Sure. And she said, Shelby, who, who's somebody from Mesquite we could invite? And uh, she's like, well, let me think about it. And she called back, and she said, well, what about Chief Yates? Uh, Y'all need to talk. And so <laughs> – I was down in Brian Rainey was somewhere and Chief Yates was at Tractor Supply and we had a, a three-way phone conversation and I it was so funny on my end because here I am talking to this leader in Mesquite trying to explain something and he has no idea what I'm talking about and I'm like how do I explain this to him uh, that makes sense and, and so we hang up the phone and then Rainey texts not long after and she goes it's unbelievable chief's in and they're going to bring a couple of people and then then he called back and he's like can i can i come and we're like yeah you can come he goes, can i bring seven and we we had planned to bring 10 to 12 people that was the um what the doctor suggested was about 10 or 12 would be the perfect size and so in one day we filled the rest of the slots thanks to chief yates chief what in when you got that phone call from chris what what was the selling point i mean you you're, you had buy-in, obviously, and then you wanted to bring friends. What what spoke to you on that call? So, you know, um, we get a lot of, um, I guess, solicitation for different types of schools, classes. Y'all know what I'm talking about. There's a constant flow in your inbox of different things. Uh, but one that first stood out was that Shelby Houston called me. And so when she calls and, and has something to say to me, I pay uh, a little more attention than the normal inbox, Evite. And she, she was describing it to me, describing the people involved. And uh, I could tell real quickly it was best that maybe I just talked directly with them because she was, uh, you know, she wasn't in, in, in detailed on, on the event. And so when I, I got you on the phone at the tractor supply, 
um, while I was sitting out in the parking lot. I could just tell they were very passionate about what we were doing. And I could just tell it was a different, um, I don't know, that gut feeling that, you know, that, that you get that this is something's different. There's effort being put into this. Uh, there's real meaning behind it. And there's a goal. And, and I'll be honest, you know, just talk about the words vulnerability. Uh, that's not my favorite word either. And uh, that word was thrown around a little bit. And I, I think I told you, uh, both y'all on the phone, I said, well, don't, don't get too much of your expectations up. I'll go back and I'll ask. And uh, it, I'll, I'll go ahead and share on that part. I, I sent the email out and I got two responses in about 30 seconds, uh, which was very surprising. And then by, I, I think I called you later that day and I said, I was wrong. I, I got to come up with a uh, selection system, which isn't pleasant because now I've got more people than I can take. And I've opened the, the floodgates here, so I've got to come up with a fair way to pick, and uh, which was a great problem to have. And especially if there's going to be more of them. And so I called him back. I'm like, okay, exactly how many can we have? Because I need a number. And uh, that's how that went. And I could tell um, it was interesting. The, there was a range of experience, uh, not just all uh, brand new people and not just middle or, or the end. It was a range of people. I think we had a good uh, a good range during that. So, But to answer your question, that was the, the communication on the phone is what sold me that this was something that we should look into. We talk about cultural competency a lot in this podcast, and you know, you obviously knew Chris's background with Dallas, and also his current role, the Attorney General. Did that have something to do with it? Like you, this guy's done this before; he knows. You know, he's one of us. Yes, it did. Uh, I, I originally didn't know what Rainey did uh, until she told me on the phone, but I think Shelby had shared that with me, and I said, okay. And and I, I did share that with uh, the people that called me and were interested about it. I said that, you know, um, I don't know why, but in our culture, we all picture laying down on a long couch and, you know, and talking real quietly about different things. And I said, now, this is um, this is some people in the in the industry. And being from DPD, you know, retiree, that we're, like I said, we're right there to the east. So that absolutely played a part in it. And you could see that that answered some questions for some people. Um, who's involved in these type of things is more, is so vital as compared to even what's said. It matters. You know. It's not some snake oil salesman that's, right. yeah. Or exactly. Well, and, and the other word was free. I think you probably got, and it's free. And we're like, yeah, no, it's free. I forgot about that. I said that about three times. Like, I forgot about all that. All this is free. And we're like, yes, sir, it's free. <laughs> it's free to the officers. Absolutely. And, and that was a big part, I think, um, especially to start off with, you know. Chief, talk about Shelby's role in this because she came along and she's not a police officer, but talk <laughs> about her role because it's vital. Absolutely. You know, so Shelby called me originally. And that was really the last kind of conversation I had with her about it until um, we were visiting about going on the trip. Um, Shelby, um, I, I, I've joked with uh, the Houston family before a little bit about them having some kind of royalty status to some extent at our department because um, of, of the price they've, they've paid at our department. And so when Shelby's involved, um, people are, are paying attention. When the Houston family's involved in it, people are paying attention. Um, but on this instant, I, I did not, I don't know if y'all know this, but I did not tell anyone that Shelby was going to be there until um, they had agreed because I wanted them to want to come and learn and be a part of it. And then when they found out that she was going to be speaking, you know, they were excited about hearing what she had to say. Because, um, you know, a lot of the um, officers there may have not had FaceTime with some of the Houston family. So that was that was a, a big a part there. Will you tell our listeners a little bit about the incident if they haven't heard her episode? 
Sure. Uh, is it December? Um, uh, Officer Richard Houston was on duty, and he was uh, shot and killed by a man, and we lost him. And I, I'd say it this way: I'd say the you know, there's different people that knew Richard on different levels. Um, so I, I say that um, uh, that day we lost Richard, Officer Richard Houston, but a lot of us lost Richard. And uh, that's kind of, I think, uh, I can speak for the whole department. There was uh, everyone, he had a lot of friends there. Um, actually, some of the uh, people that went on our on this retreat gra- were graduated that day from the academy. And I'd left their graduation shortly um, after that when Richard was killed. So um, everybody knows who she is and may have not have time to visit with some of the Houston family. But um, they are a... Um, uh, inspiration to continue on and uh, give us a lot of strength at our department. They're very still, uh, very much involved with, with things at our department still. So that's a big deal. It's a great perspective too to hear from a family member within yes. the the blue family. Everyone can talk about it all day long, um, but they have a perspective that that we don't we can't have, and it gives I think at least for me I, I don't want to speak for other people but it, for me when i hear them speak about it um the the, the pain and, and the happy times and stuff um, it gives me validity to have those same kind of feelings and thoughts so having her be able to come uh, was a really big deal hearing her perspective firsthand was very moving mm-hmm. it was unbelievable hearing her strength and seeing yes. it in person oh my god it i was so nervous before we sat down with her but seeing her strength and just resolve and the way she delivered and I mean she's only nineteen but she's seems way more mature and just older than I am and wiser than I am. That gave me strength. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm in the airport <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm I see Crystal and I'm like, Okay, good, I know Crystal <laughs> and so we kinda cling to each other and I'm looking around and I see I see your group. I, and I don't know you guys and so I'm like they have to be cops, you <laughs> know, just by how they're dressed and their their mannerisms and their their. Not one pair of five elevens that made me. I proud. didn't see any five elevens. So right? happy. Yeah, I'm so, so happy. But you can just tell, you know, that they're a part of our police family, and I was uncomfortable. But I thought it was genius that you have all ages. We had very rookie officers that haven't been in a critical incident, and their learning that they received from this retreat was incredible. Yeah, that was that was a real blessing. Um, it was perfect, which we had no control over. Um, you get whoever you get, but we had you know two year officers to thirty year officers, and and in in the program, in my in my belief is that the program is valuable to every 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 age group um, of officer because it's either equipping them with what they're going to go see, or it's helping the older officers kind of work through some of the stuff that they have seen. And when I read the book, I was like, this is valuable to me now, but it would have been very valuable to me back in 1997 when I hired on. And so that was kind of the idea. The goal is to have a wide variety of people. Um, and it played out that way in, in the perfect way. And I, I think it had something for everybody. There was a mystique in the van ride out to this secluded camp with great accommodations, but you're kind of looking around and I'm like, where are, where are we, we going? going? It's about an hour <laughs> drive up to Ram- through Ramona, California. Um, it's it's a little bit out there, and and you know when I texted Misty, I was like, text me, text me when you get to the gate, and also everybody that's coming's on your plane, so be on the lookout. Um, and she's like, I picked out about five of them. I'm like, yeah, there'll be more. <laughs> um, 
and we had a rainy had established a group text stream with everybody coming so she said hey chris is out here with a black van and rainy picked up dr glenn and one of her associates becky and they were in a different car and um so everybody gathered in the semicircle and boy you talk about just standing naked i i hadn't i had no idea I had no idea. I had a vision of what it was going to look like, but I had no idea what it was going to look like. And that's the most fear I've ever felt in my life because I've got all these officers and a photographer staring at me like, all right, what's next? Real inquisitive, not knowing what they're getting into. And and I had no idea how to prep them for the hour ride, um, for all of it. And so, I mean, I was a nervous wreck. I was an idiot, bumbling idiot. And my, my, that was the longest hour of my life. Oh, the distrust in my heart. <laughs> and I trust you, but I yeah. found out there was a cameraman. Yeah, I found I, out there's administration, a chief, yeah. Yeah. and therapist. And I'm like, Not your three hell favorite people. no. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we've all been to training, some kind of police training. For example, the SWAT conference. Oh. And, you know, it, it's so ego-driven. Yep. And, and, so, and so everyone is sizing each other up. Yep. And so I was looking for that. Yep. I was looking for the uncomfortableness of the therapist, and then I didn't want anything to do with the cameraman, and he was incredible yes. and funny, and I'm so glad he was there. And then I talked about this at the retreat, but I've never seen a chief, as high as Chief Yates is, be able to be vulnerable and participate without judgment and just be a true leader. And I, I hold that title very carefully because you don't have to be a chief to be a leader. And I mean, and you, you fit the bill. It was, I, will, I was impressed. I will, Thank you. I will tell you when Ray and I were, you know, talking through it for weeks afterwards, we just kept saying, you know, literally God gave us the perfect group and showed us how perfect it could be. And it's now like, okay, this is what it can look like. Don't mess it up. You know, don't, don't mess it up from this point. I showed you what it can look like. And literally the the perfect group of people for our first experience everybody was every everybody tried everything and you know but at that moment at the airport prior to getting in the van uh rainy had dr glenn and dr glenn was looking at everybody and she goes they are so uncomfortable she just looked at everybody and she goes they are all so uncomfortable and i get it and I've, I've, I've played that scene over in my head a bazillion times and how it will be different next time to try to ease some of that tension. Because nobody, and, and, you know, to the point we rolled up and we rolled right into the living room, they call it the living room, and we're greeted by the staff and, you know, like, God, are we joining a cult? What is happening here? <laughs> and it's just so awkward. And then Dr. Glenn rolls right into her, her first presentation. And it's about an hour and a half presentation. Um, and it's great. And, and it was just, but it was drinking from a fire hose because there's just so much information. And, um, and it was, for me, it was at dinner that night when I felt like the ice kind of got broken and that was due to who was there. I mean, there was a lot of little conversations going on and we ate really, really well. They do a great job with food. And, um, and the other thing that I, that I wanted out of this, there was a couple of things. I wanted the officers to come for free. I wanted them to feel served uh, because we were we were, were the servers, and sure. to be served is really a, a it it feels great. It really does. It's amazing what that does for your psyche, and and so the 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 staff that was in charge of food, I hadn't actually had a chance to talk to them about it, but you couldn't lift a plate. 
you finished your plate. She had that thing picked up with a smile. She was just a, she was a, she was truly a servant. Um, and so, you know, I, that's what I wanted officers to feel. And so that first night we're all sitting around and kind of joking. And then we kind of had a bigger talk and, um, you know, I talked a little bit about doing EMDR and, and how I didn't really feel like it did anything for me that day. But then that night when I went to bed, cause I didn't have one critical incident that stood out over the 20 years I was here. I had a lot of things, but not one thing that outweighed the other. And when, when I woke up the next day after doing EMDR, man, I'd had the most crazy, I've never dreamed like that prior and I've never dreamed like that since. And I know something probably had moved in my brain that I didn't even realize was, was not in the right place. And it's not, you, you brought something, this is my, the whole point was I wanted people to know that counseling isn't necessarily kumbaya laying on the couch, what we think. And if you find the right person, it's amazing somebody that deals with officers and knows our language like Dr. Glenn does. And a lot of counselors that work through ATO, they get it. And cause we want to come in, got 30 minutes. I need to get fixed. Cause I got to get back out in the street and get to my job or whatever. And it's it, the way she addresses it being it, it's, it's way more, it's no emotion. It's not emotional. And I think that's where people get confused is when they're, when they're, are feeling emotion about a, a critical incident, they, they feel like it's a weakness and it's emotion. It's not, it's, it's how our brain works. It's a function of our brain. Things get stuck in the wrong lobe, and they are they have ways to move them. And that's really what I wanted to for people to understand. And once once we had that that dinner and there's some laughter, and I kind of explained my experience. Doctor Glenn said, "Hey, tomorrow we're gonna first 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 time we get together after breakfast, we're just gonna we're gonna meet everybody." And so that was a really uh, a, a, a pivotal time too because. It kind of got everybody to hear everybody else's story. And, you know, some of the younger officers were like, I really don't have anything. It's like, awesome, great. You're going to, whether you like it or not, you're going to have some some baggage. Uh, or as I describe it, the bucket. You don't know how big your bucket is and how much you can put in it. And, you know, everybody's is different. So that led into, uh, after that meeting, we, we had a couple of, they offered the EMDR, EMDR therapy. And we had a couple people go through it, and then we had lunch, and um, and then by the time we were done, all twelve people gave it a shot, which I I was worried. I didn't know who who would try it, you know. And then we had some things that Rainy and I had planned, little things that I didn't think would would be that big of a deal to people, but they really enjoyed it. Um, so, well, let's go back to the meal. It felt like family. Yeah. And I didn't know I didn't know the majority of these people. And it, by the end of that meal, we all sat down together, a home cooked meal, a healthy meal that was prepared for you with love. It felt yep. like, yep. and everybody ate together, and um, it did. It relaxed, and then we sat by the fire pit mm-hmm. for a little bit and laughed. And and there's freedom to it. Some people, yeah. you know, they went for a walk, yeah. and some people went to bed. Went to bed. And, and you have that option. It's not rigid. It's not, it's not, it's not rigid by design. I don't, nothing is going to be forced on anybody. I didn't want to force people, but I wanted them to participate, but also to have the freedom to say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go over here. Awesome. Because I don't know what you're going through and something that might've been said, or you might be just by the, the intro, you, you might be working through something that I, that I don't know. And I don't need to know, but, uh, you know, whatever you need to do, but I wanted people, there was a couple of things like, Hey, Hey, ride, boom. Um, which sounds so stupid to say. No, I, I want to get to that. Okay, but, we will. But uh, we haven't got there yet. Yeah, we haven't. We're way, We're still. We're still in morning. Morning day two, right? <laughs> day two morning. Um, 
yeah, there, there is a freedom. It's not real rigid because the idea is, is to relax and be and for the, 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 the couple of days to be restorative. Right? I want you to come out going, man, I feel good. Something's, you know, I, I got a good perspective on things or I learned a little something that's going to help me. And so I don't think having every minute of the day planned is the way to do that. You know, sometimes you just need to breathe a little bit and have fun. I mean, I had so much joy watching a basketball game break out. Yeah, there was basketball. The football came out. There were the swings. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the grassy area, yeah. it was it was fun. Yeah, that and that 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 I the bonding part. The back to dinner. The the concept of eating on a long table with everybody was just that. I mean that that's we only ate dinner together like that. Breakfast and lunch was more relaxed. You kind of sit, but dinners you're gonna sit. We're all gonna sit at dinner together because that's where you really, you know. You're feeding your belly, but you're, 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 you grow as a group there at the dinner table. Well, the grounds – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joe. No, no. I was just – I'm sitting listening to this, and, and Chris, you and I talked before – honestly, a year before COVID. You were telling me about an idea you had. Oh, damn, sounds good. It sounds good. And you had a vision for a, a five-star hotel atmosphere and a retreat for, uh, for officers to, to, to wait on them hand and foot. And, you know, you had an idea and you were totally, you were slowly building it. And you, you know, we talked in your episode about COVID kind of ruining it. The the plan itself got COVID. Okay. And and it went and you had to put it on the shelf. And then you obviously kickstarted it. How did you come up with the with this plan? I mean, I know you had Dr. Glenn involved and you knew there was going to be a level of counseling. But did you have it? planned out to such a degree of of the uh camaraderie that had to be a big part and then taking into account you were probably going to have officers that did not know each other from different parts of the 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 state and also maybe even the country well the we we gave dr glenn the floor like whatever she wanted to do we 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 put that on the schedule Randy built the schedule and um that was the first things we laid out. What do you need? What exactly, how does this look to you? And then we built everything else around that. And so like the, all the way to the details of what time breakfast is going to be, all that came after she gave us the layout of what she's like, I need to do this here, this here, this here. And that vision of like, when you actually were sitting there with everybody at that table and all the camaraderie and all the conversation and everybody breaking down their little self-created barriers how did that make you feel? Man, it, the relief that I felt that first dinner where I finally said, okay, this is going to be all right. Things are going to work out. Because up until dinner, I was a little cautious because we rolled right into to Dr. Glenn's first session, so there wasn't a lot of talking. So the, the talking and the camaraderie at that first dinner, I was like, okay, this is, this is working out. This is kind of what I was hoping for. And I will tell you, it was more than I ever dreamed when it was all said and done. I was like, man, I, I couldn't, I didn't have the capacity to think about what ended up actually happening, which is amazing. Misty, the, how was that like for you at that, at that first dinner? I was uncomfortable at first because I didn't know anybody and I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. Um, it was wonderful, actually. Because it, it rolled into police stories and laughing, and I, and then the cameraman had a drone, and we're all <laughs> around the campfire having some great policing conversation where it felt like home, and then you hear the big splash in the pool down the hill, and we're like, and it was cold. We we're like, is somebody in that pool? 
and the cameraman lost his drone in the pool and had to jump in and get it. And that kind of <laughs> <laughs> broke the ice. Yes, yeah, so and there was filming. It got filmed, and, and you know, he never jumped off a high dive. He did a backflip, which was impressive. It was one of those impressive. old school pools, the big square with the high dive. Yeah, had a high dive. Like Uncle Bush slide. pool, that, yeah. that old pool yeah. I mean, we, from the 80s. We were jumping off the high dive, chief included, yeah. going down the slide. I mean, there was a lot of fun and, and laughing, too. There was we, time for that. We brought uh, – Jonathan Valdez was our photographer and videographer, and we had hired him. Uh, he was a good friend from our church. It was his first uh, paid job after leaving the church. And um, and we brought him – we really were – he was there, and we told everybody he was coming. Everybody knew he was coming. And his, his purpose was to – capture it just for us for marketing purposes and i and i knew that was going to be some friction i feared it was going to be some friction a couple times I was like oh john don't do that right now this isn't the but by the end in his personality was clutch i mean people were asking hey can we get some of these videos are we gonna be able to get these pictures like they they wanted to capture that they wanted those moments that were being captured they wanted copies of they want they wanted like i want to remember this and and i was like oh that i never in my wildest dreams thought that that, that would end up being the, the case. But they were like, I want to remember this. Are we going to be able to, to take pictures, you know, get these pictures? I'm like, well, we'll get that done. So you said the second day is it, that's when Dr. Glenn started with the, she, when she started with the EMDR. Okay. Um, so we had some time to fill here and there and we did loosely. Um, the, the folks that the couple that manages the property are wonderful people and they have a tremendous story too. They lost, two children within a year uh, to a disease. And so they, Bob Goff heard their story and came out and said, Hey, y'all need to move from Chicago and run this retreat. And they're like, we don't know how to do that. And here they are. And they did it right before COVID. Um, so uh, she was the one that did the uh, guided meditation and yoga and yoga, um, which again, I didn't think anybody would like, and people loved it. I, I wasn't in there because I was facilitating the, the EMDR, but, everybody that went to that loved it not everybody did um which was great hey that's cool um and then justin her husband uh took us on a hayride which is funny because we're all a bunch of texans and we've all been on hayrides and uh which led to a really pretty pretty uh meaningful moment that night uh and it ended with us petting cows and feeding horses carrots and everybody raved about that i'm like y'all are all texas you could go do that any day of the week but at the moment it just and again it was 60 degrees too which makes everything better um so it it it, it uh yeah so everybody everybody took part in almost everything and the things that, that they didn't take part in it it was it didn't change their experience well before shelby presented her story because she did at the hayride we they had a parallel, yeah, uh, presented to us about a racehorse, yeah, a racehorse that had come to this farm to recover and and regain who they are, and you get to look at this beautiful racehorse that is very high strung with anxiety and spent um, its entire life going from a stable to the track back to the stable to to a stall back to the state you know back to the track all it did was run it didn't know how to run forward it only knew how to run kind of sideways or sprint forward um never was really around other horses except for when it was racing and that facility used to house several of those they'd come on vacation and they got to they'd still run a little bit 
just to stay fresh. But the rest of the time they got to be horses. They were, they'd go out to pastures and hang out with other horses and they all came back running better times. They came back healthier. And as Justin describes it, it's, you know, it's the same, it's the parallel of what we need uh, as, as humans. And we don't do it because in our society, it's your go, 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 go. You gotta go work your job. You gotta go do this. Cause you, you got all these things you gotta pay for and you forget about yourself. And so, that horse stood out of, of compared to all the other horses because it is a pure racing horse. But then it, when it, and it was very uncomfortable being in the circle by itself and it talked the whole time to its little new little family, neighed the whole time to it while he was talking because it didn't, it didn't like being there. It wanted to be with its people. Um, but it's just, it's, it's interesting parallel to what we were trying to accomplish. It, it, it's exactly parallel to what that horse went through by coming there. So that I, th- I saw on the itinerary hayride, but then when you actually got into it, it was very meaningful. Yeah. And then right after that presentation in the parallel, Shelby presented her story and her perspective as, yeah. a, as a family member. Um, Rainey said something when she was introducing her about being the spouse of a, of an officer. And, you know, you, you think, you know, how you would respond to that moment when you found out that your that your loved one was, murdered at work and but you'd never know how you'll react and Rennie has said multiple times she goes I, I I I can only hope I can handle that experience with the grace and forgiveness that that Shelby demonstrated at a very young age um and so Shelby was able to uh tell her story and it was very interesting because of course the mosquito officers knew her backstory um but the 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 other officers that you know Watching them respond to that was really interesting to me because even even some mosquito officers maybe didn't have a close relationship, but they know the story. Even the ones that graduated the day her, her father was murdered. Um, but to hear the, to watch the officers who didn't know her at all, I mean, it was impactful. It's it really impactful. She's an amazing human. Absolutely, and they had those fainting goats. Yeah, they did have but to. they were so taken care of. They're fat. Yeah, you said it, not me. I, I never got to see any of them faint. They were too chilled out, relaxing. <laughs> Sorry for the fainting too goats. Zen. You're gonna hear this, and yeah, and, yeah, heart be broken from being yeah. fat. They're not. They're fat. The they don't. Goats. Yeah, they, they they didn't follow through on the fainting part. They got the, the, well, those, and they had those, those fluffy cows. cows. Yeah, they're like labradoodle that cows. They had like a perm. Yeah, and they just love to be petted. They they were all about getting petted. I was like, y'all are brushing cows, but they but in our critiques. People loved it. They loved that that time. And I, yeah, of course, it was everything all together. And, and it's a really neat setting. And, you know, sun setting and, and you're listening to this great story, this amazing story about this horse. And then Shelby gives her her story. And it's just, it set the tone. And we had a little time to hang out down there. And, and I think that was very valuable to a lot of people. Very valuable. Surprisingly. Because when we were planning, we're like, ah, do we really want to do the hayride thing? We could do this here. And we're like, no, let's just go ahead and do it. And we asked Justin to do that talk. And it's such a powerful talk. And you're like, oh, I get it, you know. It, if well, I can, it made sense. Yeah, and if we can do that for a horse, we still can't break, we still can't fix their bones, but it's 2023. But, you know, we, if we can do this for a horse, we can do this for ourselves and, and be restored. There was something to be said, too, around being, about being around animals and nature. Absolutely. And, and Dr. Twiddell uses horse therapy, and, and it made sense to me after I experienced this retreat why why that's so important yeah. and so i went into the gift shop 
because the retreat has a gift shop. They do course. have the gift shop. It's really cool. That they'll open for us. Yep. And I bought a book there. And it's called um, "Lead with Your Heart: Lessons from a Life with Horses" by and Alan Hamilton. And you've already read it. Oh yeah, I read it as soon as I got home, and it's excellent. But um, it, it says slowing down allows for clarification, and um, that's true. This is an opportunity. This retreat is an opportunity to slow down. Yeah. And really kind of reflect and clarify your life. I mean, there's no, there's no TVs. Right. And you really don't miss it at all. Um, I know you, you chose to leave your phone in the room. I didn't even touch my phone. And that whole it, I will tell you that one thing, if people could train themselves to do that regularly, um, it, it, it would get so engulfed in the, everything that's going on and just put it away. Cause it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter, and it, there's not a positive that comes from it. But we don't know that because we got fooled into thinking we have to look at our phone all the time. And just being away from your phone is such a restorative thing in and of itself. You don't have to go to a retreat to do that. You can do that on your own. I didn't realize there was no TV. So y'all said that. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. There wasn't. There's there not. Was there's not, not one TV. TV. Yeah. The only TV Campus. there was the one that that, that Dr. Glenn uses for a presentation. And and, and you don't even. It, it's amazing how little you need it. You don't need it. And it's just, you, you can, it's actually better relaxation than just dumb yourself down and push and play, you know, it, cause when you're watching a show, you're not really relaxing and man, just to sit in quiet sometimes is, is very restorative and we don't do that enough. Success or failure? Well, you know, Ray and I walked out and went, this couldn't have been more perfect, but it, but really what mattered was not us. It was the two groups I was worried the most about was, or the doctors think it was valuable for them worthwhile. And will the officers think that their time was well spent. And f- from the response I got from those two groups was absolutely. So by no, by no doing of, uh, of Rainey and I, it was a success. Each um, participant, when I got home, each one got a Google like a reflection yep. where you can kind of give feedback yep. and I poured into it. Yes, you did. Because when you get back and have time to really reflect on it, it was even more valuable. Yeah. Man, it was such a, like I woke up the next day when I got back home and I was sad. I was sad because I couldn't just go meet up with the group because yeah. it was such a great group of people that you really wanted everybody. I wanted to spend time with everybody, 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 not one person did you look at and go, man, it would have been better if that person wasn't there. Everybody that was there got something out of it. Now, they might not have been as vocal about saying that. You you might have read them one way or the other, but every single person came up to me. um, If even if I didn't, if I doubted that they maybe weren't having fun, they there was thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was awesome. And just, you know, again, it's like God. God made it the way he did to say, all right, here's how I can look. Don't, don't screw it up. <laughs> Keep going. Chief, what was your, how did you reflect on it? And what was some of the feedback from your troops? Yeah. Uh, personally, I, I had the same feeling. It was, you know, nice to be back home with your family, but it was like, man, that was, you know, uh, a key to a, a good trip or whatever is when you miss it afterwards. And mm-hmm, sure. I think everybody kind of felt that way, you know, getting back on the airplane and stuff. And, uh, I, I felt that way too. It's like, well, that was, that was a really impactful thing. And you sometimes don't realize till you've got back how it affected you. And, uh, the verbal feedback I got from baby on the plane and then back at work was very positive. Um, something I did not uh, know that would come out of it for me, um, 
in a, uh, in a very positive way is just those relationships with the uh, people that I might not have got to have the same level uh, instead of just being another person in the hallway. You know, we're small enough to know everyone, but you don't know everyone. And uh, to have those conversations afterwards when you get back, I thought, oh, something, something happened there. And there was great uh, conversations while we were there and things that needed to be discussed while we were there that was very important. So um, I, again, was shocked at the amount of uh, people that wanted to go. And then the response when I got back, and I've already had uh, several people ask about going, you know, they're going to do it again. Um, uh, of course, the ones want to go back. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but new people, they're like, hey, you know, and so to get uh, veteran officers to ask about a, uh, an emotional survival type retreat, that's, that says something. Some, they're talking. So that's, that's been great. my response to, to see that. I, I don't know, you know, I know what I wrote down, and I meant every word of it. Um, I don't. I didn't see theirs, but I know they're talking about the retreat because they're telling other people. About That's awesome. It, so. Yeah, there was a lot of referrals uh, that came in. That was one of the options. If you have somebody that you would in mind that should come or you think would enjoy it, you know, put a name down. And so we have we we got a bunch of referrals out of that too. So, um, you know, and the more people that they hear about it, the better because it's it's it, it's very unique. It's not something that. I've ever seen before. There was a lot when I looked into it. There were a lot of options for our military veterans, and um, but it's, it is different. It's a little different. I mean, we there's a lot of similarities, but but there are some differences too. And there was not anything geared towards our our community, um, the the you know every day, day in day out, and then you know come home and be a, who you're supposed to be at home. It's a different stressor, and um, so I, I I really wanted something for us as a community like this missy i want to ask you something so i've known you since you walked in doors at southeast and you know this profession we're all guarded anyway and and i know you personally so well you're extra guarded and you talked you said early on we started this that you showed your vulnerable side and 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 you had an experience there can you talk about that and how it relates to this retreat? Yes. Well, Chris came out and talked to my students and did an amazing job. And so, and then he was like, "Well, by the way, hey, will you be willing to Got her. to to do this?" And I said, "Absolutely," without even cons- because it's him, and of course. And so, but then I got the emails and the itinerary, and I'm like, "Oh no, this what is this?" Because I, like I said before, going, I'm a I'm a therapist snob. Yep. And um, I, 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 Dr. Twiddell is incredible. But every time I go to her, there's something in my body that is like, do not go. It, it, and then it's it just, that's just part of it. And so when I got on that plane, I was like, go, I'm committed. I'm stuck. And my anxiety was <laughs> sky high. And then I was afraid because I had recently retired. I was afraid that I didn't know. I no longer fit in this group. Her whole deal is I don't want to take somebody's spot. I go, no, I need you here because I knew you were my ombudsman. You were going to, you would tell me honestly, Hey, this is where you failed. You know, this is what you could do different. I knew you would give me an honest response. So I, I, and I trusted that it would be well thought and, um, that you, because of our relationship, you'd want it to be good. So you would be honest with me. That's really why I had you come. That was. It's super important. And it did more for me 
because it, it relieved that uncomfortableness of I no longer fit in this community because I have retired from it. No, it got rid of that, and then it felt like family again. Yeah, that feeling and I needed yeah, that. Yeah, and it because when you retire, which you and I are the only ones that can speak to that in this room, it it's it's the lot. There is a huge loss there. And, it's a huge loss. And for anybody that's listening that's on the verge of retiring, just keep that in mind that there's a there's a huge you got to grieve a little bit. Um, you know, most people are so ready to get out, but they don't realize when they're out, they're like, oh, well, this isn't great. Yeah. Which but, but you, like being in the middle of a snow globe. And then once you're out looking in, you're not, the connectivity is not, not there anymore. That's very true. Yeah. And then you're, you're thrown in this group of people that you don't know. They all have different experiences, but they still are the blue family. Yep. And it just clicked. And it wasn't like going to a training, a police training um, symposium. It oh, wasn't like so, that at all. It can be so awful. And it wasn't sit on the couch and tell me how you're feeling about it. It was none of that. It was fun. It was relaxing. It felt like love. It felt like family. And it felt like um, an escape. That's, an escape with clarity. Yeah, with purpose. It was an escape, but it's an escape with purpose. The and only thing I could say is I wished it was one day longer. That's That was a common you know? response. <laughs> common response. Well, it costs money, so. <laughs> Rewarding? Absolutely, yeah. On a personal level, just finally seeing it come to fruition, finally see the dream happen was, was amazing. The, uh, there was a sense of accomplishment on that side of it. Again, would not have happened without Rainy. Um but then just the response from everybody, it, man, it just God, it was so great that people enjoyed it. You know, you, you pour your, you pour your heart, and heart out into something and you put yourself out there to be ready to be squished because you, you know, it's going to be dumb. And so to get that affirmation back from everybody that was there, I mean, everybody, you're like, it was such an, it's like, okay, we're, we're, we're onto something here. This is the right, this is the right track, you know? And, Randy and I stepped out in faith on this. We we to get it done, man. We we got we we opened up some credit cards, and because I didn't feel comfortable asking people to support something that hadn't been done before, and so um, I'm not good at asking for. I'm horrible. I've I've done this several times for different organizations. I'm not good at asking for money at all. I'm horrible at it. Um, but with this, it's different because. I know it can be impactful. There's people who need it. There's people who will benefit from it. And so it, it, it's going to make it a lot easier. And, and the only way we can do it is to have financial support. It, I, I, it has to be free. It has to be free in my mind. And um, in order to do that, we just got to find the right partners to, to join in with this and, um, and help support it because we would love to do it four times a year. I don't know that we can with the holiday, you know, that, that November, December, January is hard, but the rest of the quarters, you could, you, I could see us doing that. Dr. Glenn's group is agreed to do that. Um, we can, the facilities there. And so it's just a matter of getting that money together to, uh, to keep going because it, 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 it does prove worthwhile to me for every, cause just in the responses I got from people, I'm like, we got to keep doing this. Is there a way for people to donate? Uh, we do. We have uh, righteous oaks, righteous oaks retreat dot com. 
um, you can go on there. There's a link. Uh, I bet Joe can put it in the the episode notes. Um, and we we've got it figured out. It's probably about twenty five hundred dollars for per officer. Um, and so we'd like to get ten officers, ten to twelve, probably ten, um, just for the doctor's sake. Uh, would probably be about perfect. Um, and I, man, I would love to do this till I can't do it anymore. I mean, I left there with an experience. I left there with uh, three books, you know, um, a hat, all, all of these little things, but I left with an experience that cannot be replaced. Yeah. The, those little, little swag things I kind of laughed. I'm like, cops don't want all this stuff, but Rainey's knows better than me on pretty much every topic and and you know just the hat and a coffee cup and a notebook a little journal for if you want to write stuff and um just a little something to remind you of it you know the rooms are cozy they're very cozy it's a great little place yeah. um uh it's out in the middle of nowhere in the in the hills of California southern California it's beautiful it's different than I did. When I first went there, I was like, this is interesting. I've never seen this before. It's not like Texas. Uh, it's not like Colorado either, but it's something in between. And, and we had perfect weather. And you know, Some of your young ones went on like two runs a day. They <laughs> were just feeling it. Yeah. You know, and- well, you're on Texas time, so you're two <laughs> hours ahead. And you know, 830 is really 1030. And so everybody would get up and get moving. And, you know, I, th- I do. Th- I feel strongly about physical fitness in how it affects you mentally. And so it was great to see people up and moving and and getting coffee and, uh, you know, just plenty of trails to run on and, um, you don't need a lot. You Mm -mm, just need some clothes to wear and nothing fancy, just something to keep you warm. And, and it's also beautiful. Everybody walked off with check-ins. I was like, wow, y'all nobody checked their bag or walk on bags. Nobody checked the bag. Well, except for on their way home, one person, Conf- I did it. I checked my bag. Oh. <laughs> I brought a bunch. I didn't know what I was supposed to wear, you know. Yeah, you had all the outfits. <laughs> all your outfits. Got your yoga outfit, your swim outfit, your hangout for dinner outfit. No, it's real laid back, and, and that's the goal. Just be comfortable. Chief, how did your spouse feel about you going away to a retreat? <laughs> when I, I texted her. It's well, work. I, I, I texted her while I was there, and I said, I... I, I don't have to make my bed and I don't have to cook or clean dishes. And she's like, Oh, that sounds great. Sounds you know? awesome. <laughs> I got triple time. Thanks a yeah. lot. She, when I first spoke to you about it, I said, Hey, you know, I'm, this is something that I may be interested in. If there's a spot, I don't, you know, I, I was worried about taking a spot for somebody. So I really appreciated Chris and Rainey. Um, cause it was a big deal that I got to go. I really appreciated the opportunity and my spouse like, you, you need to go. I think it's important for you to be there. Um, she didn't really explain too much why. And normally, um, you know, we just kind of, uh, read off of each other, but she's like, I just, you just need to go. And so, um, she was very supportive of it. I think it's important for you to be there as a commander of your department. Absolutely. Cause that way you can, cause people, People in your position can influence change, and and that as opposed to somebody like my rank that can, that you know you're seeing it and you know you can go back to your department and say something like this can benefit our entire department and generations to come for officers that come through our door. Absolutely, I, I went back and I, I told my uh, um, my the chiefs that I work with. I said I think one of our chiefs needs to go every time. I just think that that's an element that's there. It's important. 
uh, for and it's not just it's for both sides it's both for the chief going i mean i, I can't tell you how much i got out of uh, being able to visit with everyone that was there including the people that i work with every day that's big shoes to fill though because you were vulnerable you participated and you can feel your leadership and your how much you care about shelby and your troops you can feel that and i'm not i don't even work for mesquite <laughs> yeah <laughs> M- misty came back and was singing her praises and 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 i gotta say that when you get kudos and and uh nice things to say about you as a commander from misty van kieran it comes from the heart she doesn't just i'm a commander snob too she, yeah. she, she doesn't she has well she's critical and some commanders need to be looked at through a critical eye but when misty van kieran gives you compliments at, at your level it, it it impacted me and i was like wow okay i, I don't even know i've never met the man but <laughs> i i trust her judgment on it a true leader well thank you I, i'm very humbled by that i don't, I don't know what to say thank Mesquite's you lucky yeah, Thanks. for sure. Leadership is is a is not some it's not a something on your shirt. That's a promotion and that's command staff. But being a leader is completely different. And watching you interact with your troops and 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 the officers that you didn't even know. I mean, it, it said a lot about the kind of person you are. Which is really why I wanted to make sure you were here today too, because it's you know we can give the the, the police officer level talk about it, but having a command staff person witness it and see that oh wait this is and that you're that you're interested in your your troops' welfare. I mean, that's huge. And um, I've I've worked in Dallas for twenty years. I had people that were like you, and I had people that were the exact opposite. And um, so it's it's good to be around people who are true leaders. And it, it and you can tell right off the bat, you're like, oh, I can work for that guy anytime. Yeah, absolutely. I actually have a fortune cookie fortune on my desk that says leadership is action, not position. Mm. It's, and that <laughs> so true. pretty much sums it up. Thank there you, you Fortune Cookie. Well, Richard, I'd love to work for you. <laughs> well, we always like to revisit the why. Let's finish with letting our listeners know why you did this. Rainy and I really feel called to do this. Uh, we, we, we're at a time in our life where kids are about to go off to college. Um, we've got a lot of great experiences. Um, you know, we've though I'm still doing this in a different role with a different agency. I still feel like I'm kind of on the backside of it. Um, and Rainy's been perfectly equipped to to put these things together from her experiences with the other ministries she's been a part of. And we we really do feel this is a calling for us. Um, we we love to serve and and who better to serve than the people I've been out here with in the thick of it with. Uh, And I'm not necessarily talking about officers and and just the departments I've worked for, but just all over. We're all in this together. And so we feel very, very called by God to do this. And, um, and like I've said, we feel like as a, as a, a bone, he threw us, he said, all right, here's what it can look like. And so when we walked away, we're like, we gotta keep doing this. Um, just like when we walked away from interviewing Shelby in here, she said, we gotta, we got to get this thing done. Done was get it done once. Didn't mean to stop. I mean, it, it's this this is something we see going forward for, for a long time. So we, we feel called to do it, for sure. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Joe, for acting on your vision and making it reality. Yeah, I mean, this is really is a spinoff of, I mean, this podcast helped push us over the edge. 
Chief, do you have anything to say? Uh, Chris, thank you, Randy, for for including us in this. It's a big deal. And I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Sounds good. Perfect. Hey, brother, hey, sister, I'll never give up on you. Hey, Mrs., hey, mister, I'll see this all the way through. No matter how far the sun and the moon, I'll never give up on you. you heavy when the going gets tough I'll be your shoulder together we'll run up from the bottom yeah we'll rise above hey brother hey sister I'll never give up on you hey missus hey Never give up